excited this morning because uh, this morning my wife is going to uh, preach with me. And um, come on, babe. I don't know um, if, if I'm calling it. So we're doing this living room style, okay? So we're just going to dialogue and, and talk this morning um, and share with you from a passage of Scripture that the Lord uh, has just been processing. We've been processing in our individual lives. And we just want to take a moment just to share that with you. Um, so I, I thank God for this lovely Lovely lady, uh, she did not give up on me. Yeah, she didn't, yeah. Brothers, if that's your story, you ought to say amen. Come on. Yeah, don't act like you always had it together. Yeah. <laughs> she, she did not give up on me in my adolescent years. Um, I was 20, I think she was 19 when I met her, right? And you still look 19, girl. Look at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brownie points. Yeah. <laughs> She was 19 when we met. I was 20, and we got married really, really young. And um, my story is, is that I was not grown up as of yet. Still wanted to be a young man, still do what young man does, running the streets, doing your stuff. Um, and she almost gave up. You almost did. But your mama said, go on back and stick with your husband because I ain't spending no more money on you. And, and I love mama to her death, <laughs> you know. Um, so I thank God for her, for being with us. It's just been a great, it's been a rocky road. 16 years was tough. But on the back end of that, um, things start to smooth out. And now I think we love each other today. At least I do. More than when I first met her. Um, I don't know if, yeah, is this thing on? Yeah, more than when I first met her. Yeah. So you love me too? Tell them how much you, just, just tell them how much you love me. Just tell it's not on? Yeah, it's not on? It's not on? Can't, yeah. They can't, yeah. I want that mic. I'll talk louder. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I want that mic, yeah. We're excited this morning to share with you. Uh, many of you know our story, um, but I'm just going to give you a little brief uh, recap of our story. Um, the name of the church is called Restoration. And the reason for that is because of the restoration that God did in our marriage. Can you hear her okay? Is that okay? Okay, good. Of, God, of what God did in our marriage. Um, like Pastor said, we were young, um, not really, not ready for marriage in love, but not ready for marriage, did not understand all the things that marriage involves and all the, the transitions that we would go through. And so we had a really rough time. Like Pastor always says, our first 16 years was a living hell. Um, I pray that none of you all today that you will stop the madness and not wait 16 years to get it together. But we just had ups and downs and ups and downs. There were good periods. There were happy periods. There were times when we were deeply in love. There were times when it was like, I love him, but I'm not in love with him. There were just a multitude of, of uh, emotions that ran through our marriage throughout that time period. And it wasn't until we until I had an encounter with God. We both were Christians now and pastoring during part of this, this scenario of our lives. Um, but it wasn't until I, I developed a relationship with God. It wasn't that I wasn't saved. I was saved. I was a Christian. I believed in God. I went to church. I did everything that the Christians do. But I didn't have a relationship with God. Yeah. I knew of him. I knew yeah. I was going to heaven. I could quote the scriptures. I could do all that. But I did not have a personal relationship with him. Yeah. So when God finally got a hold of my heart, because let me tell you, can't nobody out fuss me in here. I'm telling you, he'll tell you, he's a witness. Can't nobody out argue me. Could nobody. I had gotten so bitter in my marriage that it was just, I, when I would hear the garage door open, I would cringe. I was like, okay, here we go. What's going to happen? What's going to get ready to pop off any minute now? 
And so, as I, as I began to just say, God, I can't do this anymore. No, this is just, it's insane. It's insane. And uh, just through developing a relationship with Christ, someone sitting down and getting in my face and saying to me, the way you treat your husband and the relationship that you have with your husband is the exact same relationship you have with God. Mm. That thing knocked me Thank to my knees. And I was, I was so perplexed and fun, like, God, do I treat you like that? And he's like, yeah, you do. You're sometimey. You're, 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 you know, you love me one day. The next day you're mad. You want this. You want that. And so when I, when I, you know, begin to say, God, forgive me. Lord, teach me what, is, what a personal relationship really is. What does it mean, God, to know you at that level? And one night in my bedroom, crying, crying, just on the floor, just lamenting before God, the Lord spoke to me in an audible voice and told me, get up off the floor. And he began to speak life into me. And I began to speak life to myself because I'm like, we were just like roommates. We were married, but roommates. I mean, Baby, you got to tell him everything. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, just, and I yeah, was tired of having a roommate. Not everything. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Don't, oh, yeah, I don't. Know, I'm going to tell it. I'm going to tell it because I know a lot of people can relate. I know a lot of women out there are in this position, a lot of men too. We were roommates, just to be honest with you. Pastor in a church, roommates. Pull up to the church arguing, get back in the car arguing. You can sit down now. And so as I began to tell God, God, I can't do this anymore. It had taken my very breath away. It had taken, it had sucked every piece of life that I had was gone. And I told God, I can't do it no more. I can't fake it. I'm not going to church and smiling. They, they even saw it. It was a former church. They even saw the discontent of my church. I go into church like, whatever. <laughs> he would be preaching, and I'd be like, whatever. <laughs> you know? And, and, and just, just had disconnected myself so much. But when God got a hold of my heart, and when I submitted to God, and when I said, God, whatever it takes, I don't care what the cost of it is. I don't care what I have to pay, my dignity, my pride. I don't care who knows my business. I don't care because my heart is heavy and I want it to be right. And when God said, you want me to expose you? I'll expose you. And he exposed me. He exposed me to myself. And I began to expose other people to it. I said, look, this is who I am. I found my name and I called it out. Mm. I said, I'm miserable. I'm a liar. I don't love my husband. And I just began to tell God, These are, this is who I am. This is how I function. And God began to show me how to change those things. I had that wrestle with the angel, and the, and the angel broke me. And God broke me, and he broke my heart, and he brought me to a place of restoration in my heart. Amen. Pastor wasn't, and it, it was personal for me. So when I say that is that, ladies, we always try to change our men. We get married thinking, oh, he going to change. He going to change. He ain't going to change. <laughs> he is not going to change, and you do not have the power to change him. And that's the biggest mistake with women is that we think that we can change a man. We think that he can change him. Only God can change a heart. So as we, as we talk today, we're going to see how God changed the hearts of, of a situation and how God wants to change your heart. Amen. Amen. Good. Good. Yeah. Let's um, go to Genesis chapter 20. Was that? Nine? And uh, 16, and we're on the back end of broken but blessed, but I um, just want to share something with you. And we just kind of want to talk through this a little bit. Let me tell you all what I um, love about this lady and what I don't like about her. Um, 
What I don't like about her is the fact that she loves God more than she loves me. Um, no, I'm being honest about that. And, and so the way that looks in our relationship is she really don't need me. That's tough on a brother, yeah. Because I want to be wanted. I want to be needed. I want to be all that stuff. And, and, and because she loves God so much, I'm second place. But that's a good thing. It, it's a good thing because when the road gets rough and it gets tough, I can all, we, together we can always go to the word of God and go to God and see what God says. And because of the foundation that's there, we can work through what we need to work through. So I thank God for that and what he's doing in our midst. Amen. Let's pray and then uh, let's talk. And we just, uh, four things we want to share with you. And prayerfully we'll get to them. If we don't, we'll pick up and, and continue from there. Lord, we thank you for you. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our midst. Um, I thank you for my soulmate, my boo, my best friend, um, that 34 years, well, we've been known each other 36 now. We thank you for that. So as we share together, we're praying that we can help families, we can help marriages, we can help um, any women or men that may be going through situations, Lord, that your will um, will prevail in their life. We believe wholeheartedly in the covenant of marriage in the covenant of families, and as we're talking about broken to be blessed, before blessings can happen, there needs to be brokenness in all of our lives. So let us see what you're saying in the text. Speak to us clearly, Lord, that your will will prevail. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. If they can put the next slide on the screen, uh, I just want to share some things and we're going to go through this so you can hear. Here's, here's really what we want to talk about this morning. Um, and the big idea that we want to share with you, it's, it's a ton of passages. So we're going to try to abstract up as fast as we can to talk through some things. But the big idea is basically this, that the desire for affectionate approval often leads down dangerous paths. And the result is we end up looking for love in all the wrong places and in the wrong ways. So we want to challenge um, our church this morning to stop looking for love in all the wrong places. Is that fair? Just stop it. It doesn't pay off. It doesn't do all that stuff. So you kind of want to talk through this. So we're going to look at, um, I touched on this a little bit when we were doing the series, but I want to look at this story of Jacob and Rachel and Leah and some of the drama that they had going on in their house because it was a mess. And I believe that their houses um, look like some of our homes, kind of look like ours a little bit when we first started off, you know. <laughs> but uh, I think it'll, it'll share some things to be able to help us to get to where God would have us to go. Let me, let me narrate verses 16 all the way to verse 30. And I'm going to read one or two along the way and then we're going to talk. Uh, Katani and I are going to share together when we get to verse 31 on one. If you're in verse 29, say amen. Okay, now most of you know the story. If you've been here through the series, if you have not been here, you, you won't know the story. But let me just say this to kind of hit, catch you up, and then we're going to move really quick. Um, Jacob was on the run from his brother Esau. His mother, Rebecca, sent him to um, Laban's house to get away from his brother Esau. He gets to Laban's house, and Laban, the text says, had two daughters, okay, now, what was striking about the two daughters, if you look at verse 19, verse 16, it says Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Come on, say Leah and Rachel. Leah and Rachel. Now, of important to the text is look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, Leah's eyes were weak. 
but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance, okay? And verse 18 says, Jacob loved Rachel and said he's going to serve for seven years. I'll talk about that in a little bit. When the text says that Leah's eye was weak, it has, uh, commentators have both a positive and a negative uh, definition on how you can interpret that word weak. In, in most sense, um, if you understand um, the culture back in the day and age, is that women were veiled, okay? And by veiled meant that it was uncommon for you to walk up to a woman and see her whole physique exposed. So back in that culture, they would have this head wrap that would cover their whole body, and in most times, all you would see was their eye, if you're familiar with Eastern cultures, showing through the veil that they had on their head. And what's striking about this, this piece of information that the author of this text has given us is that both women were described by what was seen through the veil. Does that make sense? So when they looked through the veil, Leah's eyes were exposed and Rachel's eyes were probably exposed too. But the comment was that she had weak eyes, which means that either she was faint, she was feeble, she was humble, um, or in some, on the positive sense, it would say that her eyes looked young. So even though she was the older of the two sisters, looking at her eyes says that she was either young and she had a humble and, and feeble and uh, um, humble spirit about herself. What, what I find striking about the text, through all that covering, the author says that Rachel had a body to die for. Kind of like yours. I got to fix it up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and she was very, very attractive. And, and, and Jacob now was attracted to the physique and appearance of Rachel. Okay? So the text says that these two women are stri uh, sisters... And back in the culture again, before you can marry a woman, you had to have money, men. A job, amen. Yeah, yeah. Say, say that out loud. A job. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, that's, that's why she married me, because I had a job. And, um, but here's what's striking about the text. You'll remember with me, Jacob was on the run, right? And because he was on the run, he was broke as they can come. He had no money. And if you know anything about biblical texts, when his um, grandfather Abraham went to marry Sarah, they went to this same um, location to find a wife, and they paid a price, namely a dowry, couple of camels, couple of things to purchase the woman. So the reason the work is on the scene, uh, the, the term of I'm going to work for her came up, is because he had no money to pay for her, and, and the normal price for a woman was 50 shekels. And here's what this dude said. This woman looks so good, I'm going to work seven years. He overpaid by some ridiculous number to purchase this lady because she looks so good. As the story picks up, um, his payment is seven years. He works seven years. Then on the day of the wedding, the daddy tricks him and gives him the weak-eyed girl. Okay? He gives him the sister. Now, some of you may be wondering how in the heck he going to marry her and not know who he's marrying. You kind of get what I'm saying? Yep. Remember with me, they were veiled. So normally in that culture, the bride doesn't see the wife until they get in the bedchamber and he unveils her. I mean, the husband, thank you, doesn't, yeah, they weren't like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the husband doesn't see the wife until they get in the bedchamber and unveils her, okay? So, and remember with me, the party was they got him good and drunk. 
good and drunk. They get in the bedchamber, he unveils her. And don't fool yourself into thinking the culture was, turn on the light switch and let me see what you look like. There wasn't no light switch to turn on. You guys are tracking with me. So it wasn't until the next morning when the sun rose he realized, man, I got tricked. And he was hot, okay. He was mad because his mind was set on the shapely formed woman. And so he goes back to the daddy and the daddy says, listen, man, you messed me up. Give me my woman. Um, daddy says, finish out the bridal week. In other words, spend the first week with Leah. Then I'm going to give you the wife, her sister, Rachel, and they're going to be married. Now, and you can marry her and go on about your business. And this is where the story picks up. So with each woman, the culture dictated that you got a wife and a handmaiden. Okay, so the wife would be given to the husband and she would have a handmaiden to be given to her. So what I want you to see in verse 31, well, back up to verse 30, um, let's read that and then we're going to talk to the text. It says, so Jacob went in to Rachel also, and notice what it says, he loved Rachel more than what? Leah, and he served Laban another seven years for her. That's deep stuff right there, yeah. Verse 31 says now, this is where the text picks up, okay. It says, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren, okay. Now, if we can put the first point on the screen, I want to kind of talk through this um, so we can kind of see what's really going on here. Now, as we talk about stop looking for love in the wrong places, the first thing I think we must understand is that in relationships, in um, marriage, in whatever your relationship is, our identity is never found in our spouse or mate. It's only found in God. I need, I need to say that. I need to say that. And, and if you need to say something about that right here, jump in um, because we're going to walk through the text. That's a very, very, very important statement because one of the most dominant mistakes we make in relationship is trying to define who we are through the lens of the person that we're engaged with. Does that make sense? And your identity is not defined in your mate. Remember I said to you, the thing that frustrates me about Katani the most is that she don't need me. And that's hard on me because I want her to need me, okay? And because men want women to need them, they play games on the women to get them to need them. Come on, let's talk, y'all. You gotta get. Come on, let's just talk about it candidly. You don't love me because if you love me, you'd whatever, whatever, whatever. And we go into Jacob mode, all this manipulative stuff. And and it's not that she doesn't love me. She loves me. She knows I'm her husband. She knows I'm her mate. But she's not dependent on me for her survival. And that's frustrating to me because I want her to be. <laughs> but I understand where she is in her identity, where she is in that I don't define her, I don't make her. And, and every now and then, at least once in a while, she'll say, I'll say who your daddy is. And she'll, you know. She'll <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time, she's telling me you're not my father. <laughs> you know, let's get that straight, okay? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, if you want to share, then I want to share a little bit about the text, yeah. Yeah, as women, it's important for us to know that our, our identity is found in Christ. Our identity is in God. And if we're not looking for our identity in God, there will be false gods that come along. Yeah. And you will, and you will, you will think that that is what 
that, that will become your God. And the problem with uh, this situation is that they had made Jacob their God. Everything was dependent on Jacob. In those, in the, during this time frame, you know, women didn't work. Women really didn't have an identity. They didn't work. They were just childbearers. And uh, they, they kept with the house, and they, they bore children for the men. So there wasn't like it is today, you know, women's rights and all this. That None of that existed back then. So when you're looking at this text, you have to look at it in, in the time frame that it's written. And so all those women had to identify with was Jacob. Yeah. It was the fact that he was... Um, becoming of a very successful husband, um, that <clears throat> he, had, he had served seven years, and out of that seven years, they saw his work ethic, they saw how, uh, he, how, how hard he worked, how committed he was, and that was attractive to both of them. Although it doesn't mention Leah, it was very attractive to both of them. So when the father gave Leah as the first, because she was the oldest daughter, and, and in that times, the oldest daughter was married off first. So Leah begins to find her identity, both of them, so they both get married um, to him. So we have a household now with Rachel, Leah, and their maidservants. I don't, I don't know how in the world this works out. I just, I don't get it. But I have to put myself back in biblical times because in today's society. <laughs> let me, let me take, hang on, my turn, my turn, my turn. We were studying together and we couldn't get far. She's like, four women, <laughs> one man, I ain't having it. <laughs> And, and we spend the majority of our time arguing. I'm like, Katani, they were cool with it. Oh, no, no. Ain't, ain't no way on God's earth they could be cool with. And she's like, I'm like, if you were there, you'd have to be cool with it. And she's like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's the tension in the text, but right? But when you think about it, we have those same scenarios going on today. Yeah. We have husbands with m many wi other wives. Yeah. Um, so you can really, we can really relate to that because there are... Um, People sitting in this church right now and people that you know that are married, but yet they have side women, side chicks and everything. So, so it really is going on, on, and the wife is aware of it. Um, so that scenario is just playing out in a different way. It's playing out in a different form. You go to work all cute and all cloned up, looking good because you're trying to check the little girl, the, the little receptionist or whatever that, whatever's going on. So there are... There are, those situations are still today. They're still today. And so one of the things that you have to understand is <clears throat> you cannot change a man's heart. You cannot change his, his thoughts or anything. You have to be faithful to God. Yeah. You have to be faithful to God. So if you're in a situation yeah. where you know your husband, maybe you're just dating or something, and you know that that man is not being true to you, don't focus on that man. Mm, yeah. Well, actually, he's showing you his colors. He's showing yeah. you who he really is. Yeah. So you might want to st step back and say, God, is this really who you have for me? Right. And make sure that this is from God and this is just not from your desires. Yeah. And so um, as, as the story goes on, we see where these sisters start just competing for the yeah. attention of their, yeah. of their husband. So let me look at, look at verse 31. It says here, when Leah saw, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Here's what I need you to, um, to see happening in the text, even though it's not explicitly stated, that um, by virtue of the words that are used, her womb being open and one being barren, there's a lot of sexual nuances that's implied in the text, right? They were having sex. Mm -hmm. Let's just be honest about it. And, and, and the goal of these two women 
having sexual intercourse or relationship with their, with their husband is childbearing because in the culture, the one who has the most children is the most validated. You kind of get what I'm saying? So Jacob's like, hallelujah. And, <laughs> and the women, <laughs> y'all missed that, it's all right. And the women are going through what the women have to go through. Now watch this, this is, this is critical. Because remember, one is love and one is hated. And when God saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb but Rachel, which was the most loved by Jacob, her womb stays closed. Now look at the tension that's going on in the home. Okay, look at verse 32. When and Leah um, conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. I'm going to come back to that. Because she said, the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for my husband will love me. Verse 33. She conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also, and she called his name Simeon. Verse 34, again she conceived and bore a son and said, this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons, and she called his name Levi. Now here's what I need you to know that's going on in the home. Rachel, um, the one that's cute and has the, the, the body to die for, has it made, but she's unfruitful and unproductive. So in the home now, there's a lot of um, affliction going on. There's a lot of hatred going on. There's a lot of unattachment going on within the confines of this marital relationship. And she is feeling this. Lee is feeling this. My husband hates me. My husband can't stand me. I am unattached to my husband. He is afflicting me with all kinds of crazy stuff. And she's trying to fix this problem in the wrong way by looking in the wrong place for love fooling herself into thinking that if I engage my husband sexually and he keeps, you know, I keep doing this stuff for him and whatever, whatever, that my actions will eventually change him. Afflicted, hatred, okay, unattached. And she's crying out and then because God opens her womb and she starts producing, she has fooled herself into thinking the things that I give him will cause him to now treat me better. Wow. Talk about that a little bit. Because so you ain't gave me nothing yet. So in, the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. so in the beginning, we have these two sisters, yeah. and they're both having sex with, with um, Jacob. Jacob, yeah. And so you know there's a sexual competition going on in there. I mean, come on, we're all adults. Yeah. And so it's like, how can I win him? If I perform better than my sister, then maybe mm. he'll love me more. If I, you know, if I can rock his world. So there's a sexual com competition going on, but neither one of them were getting pregnant because God had not opened up their wounds yet. So I just want to say that you cannot win a man through sex. You're not going to, you're not going to hold a man through sex. If you think that laying with a man or, or Having sex with a man is what's going to make him turn or have 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 turn to you and love you more. It, it, it it's not going to work because it's yeah. not going to happen. Amen. Yeah, let it's me not say something happen. real quick. Yeah, let me. This is don't lose your thought. This is I think that's a good point because I, I the culture today. If you look at television, if you look at any movie, if you I mean social media, anything like that, uh, it communicates to us subtly that the way that if you're in a relationship that sex is normal, 
and we have now fooled ourselves into thinking that it's okay to do that outside of marriage. And I'm telling you, we're going down the wrong path, and it's the wrong place because that wears off. So I want to say to ladies, don't fool yourself. If he can't love you when you still say no, he's not worth it. I need you to hear me say that. I need y'all to hear me say that, okay? Brothers, we good. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Y'all like, what you talking about, preacher? Now I want y'all to hear me. The only reason, I don't know if I've ever said this here, but I'm going to say it now. I was 19 when I first met you. You were 18. Did you just, you turned 19. Yeah, we're just in a college and all that good stuff. And, 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 it's a proud moment. Um, um, I'm the only dude she knows. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Um, I'll take that. But, but, but here, here's the, the reason. For three years, she kept saying no. Three years. Yeah. Three years. And, and I was challenged, but I respected challenge. her. He failed the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I did, but, it's, <laughs> but, but I respected her. And, 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 and women, you need me to hear, hear you say that a man wants a woman that he can respect. I want y'all, come on brothers, help me out. Yeah, they, they, want, they want a woman that they can respect. They want a woman that can stand firm. And, and men quit trying to manipulate women. I want y'all to hear me carefully. If we call ourselves people of God, right? Because we're setting them up for failure. Let's, let's stand firm and be who God would have us to be. Can we just say that Amen. this morning? I mean, we came to learn. Let's, let's stand firm and protect each other. Amen. Good, yeah. Just and I want women to know it's a natural desire for you to want. I mean, when Adam and Eve fell, and if you look at the curse um, in Genesis 3, 16, when he says, uh, your desire will be for your husband. There's a natural desire that God has put in us to want a husband, to be, to be desired by our husband, and for our husbands to, to love us and to take care of us and have affection for us. And the thing is that um, during that, when, Eve, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, everything was perfect. There was no contention. There was no fighting. There was no another Eve in, in around or anything. It was just the two of them. Yeah. But after the fall, you see where God tells Eve, so you wanted to step over your, you stepped out of line. You crossed the, 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 the line in the sand. So now your desire will be for your husband. You will have just a, I'm going to place in you a natural desire to, for your husband. Because she wanted everything to be, you know, back, where, back to the state that it was. But because of her sin and because of the fall of man, yeah. Everything shifted. And so when we, when we have to realize that we have a natural desire for our husband, but we can't subserp that desire over our desire for God. Right. And that's right. what had happened in the garden is that, yeah. well, we can handle this. We can do this ourselves. And so when she stepped over the line, her desire went into a fleshly place instead, instead of a spiritual place. And so as women, you have a natural desire. Women, we want to be married. We want to be loved. We want to have compassion. Uh, towards a man, but at the same time, we have to understand that that man, if, his, if your desire is for that man and not for God, mm. you're going to end up in a crazy marriage. You're yeah. going to end yeah. up being yeah. afflicted. You're going to end up being hurt because that's not what God has called you to be, and that's not the place where God has called for you to be. God doesn't put you in a marriage to go through hell. Yeah. I yeah. mean, God puts you in a marriage to prosper. Yeah. 
Yeah. to be his paraclete, yeah. to, to come together and, and, and accomplish the things that God has set forth for us. But when you look at many households, it's like roommates. Yeah. You have him and you have her and you have them both uh, running for, for whatever they want and seeking what they want. And then where's God in the middle of all of that? Yeah, yeah. Look at, look at let, me, let me do this and we're going to hit this thing real quick. Um, when you look at this, the, the verse in verse 32, right, she gives birth to Reuben. And she says, it's because God has seen my affliction, because Reuben comes on the scene, and here's what she says, now my husband will love me. Mm -hmm. So he's going to take his eye off of this fine woman mm -hmm. if I keep performing or doing these things. Look at the next one. She gives him another son, right? And his name is Simeon, and look how she defines his name. The Lord has seen my affliction. My husband will hate me no longer. Okay, I'm performing again. I'm doing something. I'm outdoing my sister. She's not producing anything. I'm doing it, so he's not going to hate me no longer. And then she gives birth to this third child by the name of Leah, I mean Levi. And then she says, now my husband will become attracted to me because she thinks that she's outperforming, outdoing, out whatever. But none of that stuff is working. Okay. Now, here's the point that I want to point out in the text. Look at verse 35. And then, uh, Katani, you can talk a little bit again. It says, and she conceived again and bore a son. And then notice what it says. This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. And then it says she ceased bearing. I want to talk about that really, really quick, okay. Because here's the thing. She realized that in all of my attempt to do what culture says I should do to get a man, to win a man, to keep a man, to get him from stop doing what he's doing to me, she realized that none of that works unless God intervenes. Come on, y'all, that's the important thing. Unless God intervenes, then when God intervened and she gives birth to this child by the name of Judah, and we'll probably talk about Judah a little bit later on or down the line. Then it says, the text very importantly says, then she ceased bearing. Okay. Now, let me, let, me, let me hit that really, really quick. Because the reason I said what I said about um, verse 31, that when Leah and when she saw that she was hated, he opened her womb. Um, the text is all about this interchange sexually that's going on between these two women and Jacob to produce sons or to produce offspring. So notice what it says. When she realized that God was the only hope to fix in her marriage, she stopped performing. I want you all to wrestle with that. I want you to wrestle with that. I want to wrestle with that. Because here's the thing. You can't expect God to move in the relationship, but you're still helping him out. Come on now. I'm praying, but I'm still manipulating. I'm still doing. I'm still whatever. The text says, then she stopped childbearing. We'll hit that in a little while. But when she got to the place where she realized that who God was and what God has done, she stopped the performance. What do you want to say about that? Stop I just want to ask the ladies, how many things have you birthed? How many things you have wow. out of your performance to try wow. to keep a man wow. or try to get a man or try to win the affections of a man? Wow. We had Leah here who was having these children, um, trying to win the heart of Jacob, Jacob through having and birthing all these children. As women, we have to understand that sex is not going to keep a man. Mm. And so when the sex wears off, 
there are some women that I know that they just stupid. I, I'm sorry. They just stupid. Dang. They will give the man their debit card, their credit card. They will birth all kinds of things. So what that leads you up, you have birthed bad debt out of him. You got a car payment out of him. You have all these things that you've done to try and keep him because you're up here and you're, you're trying to help God. Well, maybe if I do this or maybe if I take him here and you know, well, he really don't, you know, and you're always buying for him. You're always giving to him, trying to win him with, with things and with favor. And when Dang. he walks away from you, you're left, you're left holding the bag. You're left with the oh, house payment. You're left yeah. with the kids. You're left with oh, everything girl. because you wow. birthed all of that thinking that he was going to turn to you when his affection was for someone else. And you knew that his affection was someone else. You know there's another woman Dang. in the relationship. But yet and still you keep messing with him. I, don't, I just, I don't, I just cannot fathom why we get into these crazy relationships. And it, got so, it gets so bad to where people begin to fantasize. That's my husband. I know God gave me them. No, it's not your husband. He has moved on. He's married. He's got kids. And you still believe it. I still believe God. Stop it. Just stop it. You cannot win his love like that. And so what Leah had done all this time is that she thought these children were going to bring him close. Just like we think, oh, if I do this for him, if I do that for him, you know, and you, and you, and you, you start working on performance base. That's a contract. That, you, that's not a relationship. That's a contract relationship. That's not a covenant relationship. And what Leah began to realize is that when she gave birth to Judah, I will praise the Lord. So there was a shifting that took yeah, place in her yeah, spirit yeah. where she said, you know what, God? I, I got to stop this foolishness. This house is, uh, you know, there's, there's some crazy stuff going in this house. But I'm going to begin to praise God. I'm going to give, yeah. begin to exalt the Lord. I'm going to begin to love God and put him in his place. Yeah. And once you begin to put God in his place, then the blessings will begin to come. Until you put God into, in, in, his, in his rightful place and you hear God. Because some of y'all, you act like you don't hear him and you hear him. But the strong man in you fights for what you want. And you got to understand that you, it might not be for you. There are some things that God says, no, he didn't explain it to you a thousand times. When he get to heaven, y'all going to be like, oh, I still don't get it. No, God said no. And, and we know that. We know in our spirits when it's not going to work. So quit performing to try and get a man. Quit buying and spending money and taking on debt and baby drama, mama. And all. You don't have to live like that. Yeah. You, are a, you are a godly Prince, a godly yeah. prince in the eyes yeah. of God. Yeah. God did not design you to be abused like that. So stop self-abusing yourself by allowing men to just, allowing yourself to just try and win somebody's heart by giving them and birthing things that you're going to end up taking care of. That's a good application, girl. That's, that's good. That's, that's, that's good, yeah. That's good. That looks good. That explains why I didn't get no gifts. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Good. I like it. Good. I'm good. Now, now watch the text. Okay, watch, watch the text. It, it makes a shift. Now, um, verse 35 says, Leah found, finds her identity in Christ. And then verse 1 of chapter, chapter 30 picks up. So Leah stops. She stops performing. But keep in mind, Rachel is still performing because she don't know no better yet, right? So when it says, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, not a fight starts. She envies her sister. And she said to Jacob, you better hook a sister up. 
or I'm going to die. Brothers, you ever heard that one? I'm going to leave you. You don't give me that ring for $4,000. But put the next point on the screen. I want you all to see this real quick. Positioning your spouse or your mate to do what only God can do often leads down a dangerous path. Yeah, that's crazy. Here's what she said. Jacob, you better give me children or else I'm going to die. And um, verse 2, Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. Not Rachel. You love Rachel. And he said, do I look like God to you? That's the translation. Um, Who hath withheld from you the fruit of your womb? And so, so here's the thing. I can't do nothing for you. And then all of a sudden she gets in this manipulative, manipulative place now where she's going to try to fix the situation, okay? And then here's what she says in verse 3. Here's my servant Bilhah, go into her that she may give birth on my behalf that even I may bear children through her. Wow. And so she gave him his servant as his wife. So now Jacob's got three wives. You go, boy. Um, <laughs> And Jacob consummated the marriage. That's what it says there, okay? And look at this. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me and he has heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, his name shall be called Dan. Rachel, um, servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled. I mean, Rachel said, I've wrestled with my sister and I prevailed. And so she called his name Naphtali. Do you see what's happening in the text? She using the other woman to fool herself. I wish I, I can't even say this right. To fool herself into thinking she's all that. This is some crazy stuff. If you had a handmaiden, would Next. you have, yeah. Next. <laughs> Next. <Yeah. laughs> Don't even have to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make me curse on this opinion. No, please. Yeah. Uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> People, stop positioning our spouse to do for us only what God can do. God is in control. The prayer is to God. You look to God for provision that you, you look for the God in him. I mean, I wanted to say that while you were talking. You look for the God in the spouse, in the mate. You don't make the spouse God. Amen. Amen. Does that make sense? Look for God in the person. As a Christian man, as a Christian woman, if you're going to be on a dating scene, don't iconize the person that you want to date to make them God. You identify God in them. And if you can see the God in them, there's a connection. Don't expect them to be God to you. Yeah. Because they'll cause you to do crazy stuff to try to win them over. You got to be very careful with that. Very, very careful with that. And for for those that are dating, I know when I first met Pastor, um, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't fall in love with him right away. Really? Um, No. (laughs) No. But when um, my roommate, we were in college and when we went to, we went out to the dorms to uh, pick up something for her boyfriend, that's when I met Pastor. And they, I went into their room because they were supposed to have this super cool room with all these, you know, back in the back, back in the day, the black light and the felt paints and all that. 
So I went into their room, and it was all cool and everything. And so there was a crate sitting um, there, and there were a bunch of albums in it. And I began to flip through the albums, and there was a bunch of gospel albums and gospel artists. And I, I was kind of like, are, are you saved? And he said, yeah, I'm saved. And we began to talk about God. It wasn't about, hey, baby, let's get together, da-da-da. We began to talk about God. He was new to, uh, he had just gotten from the islands. He was new to the city and everything. And so I said, you know, oh, I have a church. He was saying he was attending the church. You know, he was attending the base chapel. And I said, oh, you should come visit our church sometime. Totally innocent, just like, there's another church. Come visit it, you know, and everything. And so what attracted me to pastor was the fact that he had such a deep love for God, even though he was a mess. He still had a deep love for God. (laughs) And, and, and there was just word in him, you know, and so there was so much word in him. He would come and do Bible studies and stuff, and I'd be like, man, this guy has a gift in him. And so I saw God in him. We had to work all the other stuff out, praise God. <laughs> but when you're looking for a spouse, you're looking for, you're looking for the spiritual markers. If you're thinking, you know, oh, he's so fine. I have a best friend. Her husband was so fine. It was ridiculous. When I first saw him, I had to walk out the room. I said, girl. You ain't told me that one. Karen. You you ain't told me that one. I had to walk out the room. She brought him up to my mama's house. My mama walked out the room. My mama said, Lord have mercy. (laughs) That marriage lasted about two years. I mean, because, honey, they were both cute. About two two years, that marriage, I mean, that marriage exploded into a nightmare. And so if you're looking for physical beauty, yeah. That ain't gonna work either. Yeah. Because you yeah. gotta see the you gotta see the heart of a person. Yeah. yeah. So you gotta good. see God Amen. in that heart. Amen. Amen. That's so true. So true. So true. So let's read, let's read, because we're running out of time. I wanna hit a couple of things I want you to see this real quick. So um, because I want to get to this funny part real quick. Um Bilhah gets married to Rachel. I mean to Jacob, they're doing their thing. Look at verse nine, and Leah backslides a little bit, okay? So when Leah saw that she has ceased bearing children, she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob, his wife. She knew better. I want y'all to see this because she had gotten to the place. She, she, she backslid. Yeah, she did. She, <laughs> she messed quit up. praising. She said, oh, no, no. Because you got to understand, um, at this point in time, you must understand with me that, that, that the person's um, lineage, he was building a family line through this woman. So as cute and as shapely and as gorgeous as Rachel was, I need you to see in the text the shift happening. Mm-hmm. Okay? You're cute, but you ain't doing nothing. Yeah, you, yeah. You're affecting my lineage. You're affecting my money here. Right. I want y'all to see that. Now I'm being real, okay? Um, weak eyes over here. <laughs> she hooking a brother up, you know? I'm, I'm going to have some stuff. So he's starting to turn away from shapely. Yeah, she, she's establishing something. So then all of a sudden, cute figured out a plan to get Jacob's eyes off of weak eyes. Y'all see what's happening in the text, right? So she gives him her handmaiden. She's, she's living this phony life because it's not really her children. Not really her children. And watch Leah. Oh, you going to roll like that? I got one of them. And she takes hers. And give it to, and there's some crazy stuff, some crazy stuff going on. And, and, and she, she takes her eyes off of God, and she does this crazy stuff. And, and the thing that I want to say in that, and I'm going to say this again in the next point, quit trying to manipulate God, quit trying to play God, games with God. If God has some body or person for you, it's going to be yours. 
We need to learn to trust God like that. Does that make sense? Okay. Let me go to this next point unless you want to say something about that. Put the next point on the screen. Um, look at this. Now, this, is, this, this one is great. True love is never found in us attempting to manipulate situations to work in our favor. This is deep. This is deep. Let me read this and then we'll talk about this. Then we'll wrap things up. Okay. So the two of them are playing games, right? And these kids are being born. Look at verse 14. In the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went out and found manrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Let me stop here. So you got to read the Bible like this to get the thing. Y'all know who Reuben is? Who's Reuben? The firstborn. Who's his, what's his mama's name? Yeah, yeah. So you figure he's old enough to recognize the drama that's going on in the house. And he ain't going to have no woman take his daddy from his mama. Y'all see this? I want y'all to see this in the text, right? So notice what the author says. Watch the details of the text. Verse 14, in those days, in the days of the wheat harvest, Reuben went out and found mandrakes, the text says. Okay? It's not that he happened up on some mandrakes. He went out and found some mandrakes. This is a, let me pause for the cause real quick. I need you to know that sometimes our foolishness in our relationships directly impact the children. It directly impacts the children that we're trying to raise in the house. So he goes out and he finds this mandrakes in the field and he brought them to his mother Leah. This is great. I'm going to explain this in a while. Then Rachel said to Leah, Rachel now, she sees this and listen to what she says. Give me some of those mandrakes. And look at what she says in verse 15. But she said to her, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Leah says, now hold up. You done stole my husband with your fine self. Now you want to take my son's mandrakes, okay? And then he says, Rachel said that, uh, let me read it. I don't want to mess it up. Verse 15. But she said to her, it's a small matter. Is it a small matter? You've taken away my husband. Would you take away my son mandrakes also? And Rachel said, then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. Wow. I'm going to kids in here, right? Oh, he's too young. I can't say it. Yeah. Um, this is deep. This is deep. This is deep. This is deep. Give me some of that, and I'm going to let him give you some. Crazy stuff. Now, let me explain. What the mandrakes are, it was a plant back in the day um, in, in Near East that was kind of like a potato plant. It was a flat thing, and it produced only one fruit that looked like a tomato or a potato-type fruit, but it was yellow. And this thing would give off a great odor. And what the mandrakes was used for, um, the Greeks today would refer to it as love apple, okay? And the mandrakes were known for making people fertile. That's the deep part of the text. So the boy sees his mommy stops having children, and he goes to the drugstore to buy fertility pills. This is some crazy stuff. Your children should not know your business like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, this is, I want y'all, don't miss this in the text. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. So he comes home, and the infertile one, Rachel, says, you know what? 
you don't need that. You already have children. Why don't you let me get the fertility pills because I can't have children. So if I take the fertility pills and I'm contextualizing so you can connect with me, then I can get pregnant and I'll become somebody. Here's Leah. No, I ain't give you none because you already got him. You see the fight that's going on here? <laughs> and then Rachel says, I'll tell you what, give me two pills. I'll let you spend a night with him. <laughs> wow. Isn't this some crazy stuff? Yeah. Lee has become so desperate, she takes the pills and she goes in and all this stuff happened. God opens up Leah's womb, not Rachel's. Leah's womb, not Rachel's. Leah's womb, not Rachel's. And Rachel produces. This is where I'm trying to say, don't ever try to manipulate If I do this, maybe then he will whatever. If I go here, maybe then he will. The hope and the trust is always in God, not in culture, circumstances, situations that we try to do. We keep our eyes focused on the Lord. Does that make sense, guys? Okay. You want to say anything on that? You know, just for mothers, she told Reuben too much. Reuben knew too much about his mama's business. And I know a lot of times when women, when you're having troubles and you have an older child or something, don't cry to your children. They can't, they can't carry the weight of that. And what you're doing is yeah. passing on a generational curse. Yeah. Because if you, if you go and, and study Reuben's life, you're going to see the patterns that, that, um, that yes. followed him in his life. Don't ever tell and discuss your, your personal business with your children Reuben was probably a teenager at this time, and um, he goes out and he gets these mandrakes because he wants to help his mama. You know, I love my mama, and he loved his dad too, and he wanted, he wanted to bring, keep Jacob all to themselves. And so he joins in, his children begin to join in in, in, the, in the trickery to keep their dad, you know, and, and Leah together. So you have to be careful who you share your business with, who you talk to. Yeah. You can't talk to everybody. Yeah. You yeah. talk to God yeah. and God alone unless you find a Christian woman yeah. that, is, that, is, that is going to, you know, be there to help you, help you. But if you're just out there blurting it out. Making him look bad. Yeah. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. I remember um, um, our oldest son is, how old is your 30? Today's his birthday, 30. Today's his birthday? Maybe he's watching online. Hey, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday from daddy. <laughs> I knew that, Gerald. I knew that. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. He might be watching online. I don't know. Yeah. He's going to be like, dang. But, but Katani and I, um, for the first 16 years of our marriage, it was pretty stuff. We went through some crazy, I mean, crazy stuff, right? And um, here, and we protected our kids. We protected our kids from a lot of that. And um, because it was our stuff to go through, and we don't want the kids picking sides. You kind of get what I'm saying? Um, or daddy, how could you? Or whatever. You, you get the, the story. So we wanted them to stay neutral. I will never forget, it was Gerald got married, and I think he might have moved to Maryland by, no, we were still here. And he came to us, and he says, mom, dad. By then he's wife, and he's got a little son or something like that. He says, I don't know what you guys went through, but um, I knew something was going on when I was young, and y'all never told us about it. And watch this nosy behind. I'm married now, and maybe y'all can help me. 
and he wanted us to, but you kind of get what I'm saying? And we had no problem sharing then because he was old enough and he was in a marital relationship to help him. You, you get what I'm saying? But we had to protect the integrity, the purity, the honesty of that particular, of that child to get them to where, same thing with our daughter now, you know, going through the same thing to help them go through their marriage. But at that age, they don't need to be saying, I can't stand you, mom, I can't stand you, dad, or start to form opinion because in those formative years is where we start shaping our children for life. Mm -hmm. And we need to be careful with that. Yeah. We need to be careful with that. Yeah. And uh, one of the other things, as, as we were going through our difficult times, I'll never forget when I went to counseling, uh, I think one of the best advices I had ever gotten was um, I went into counseling. Cause I tell you, I was crazy. Y'all don't understand. Was? <laughs> I, I, was <laughs> I was losing my mind. So I go to counseling and, um, you know, I explained to the woman because I really didn't. I really didn't put pastor's business out there. He put it out there by himself. So I was like, I, didn't, I really didn't discuss it or put it out there. And uh, my counselor told me, she said, she said, she reminded me of the story of Noah when Noah had gotten drunk after the ark yeah, had landed. Thing. And Noah had gotten, Noah was in the tent and he had just gotten drunk. And he was laying there um, naked and one of his sons came in and mocked him and laughed at him. Uh, but the other two sons came and they took a cloth and they backed into the tent and they covered him. And she says, it's important for you to cover your husband, yeah. she says, because of the position he's in and because of, of, of your situation. She says, you always want to cover him. You don't want to badmouth him. You don't want to put his business out there. She said, it's for you to back up and, and cover him, and it's for you to go in your prayer closet and pray for him. Yeah. And I thought that was some really profound for me because um, yeah. it taught me that you keep, the, you know, you deal with this. And I'm, I'm, I help create the mess. Don't think that I'm just innocent. Oh, I help create the mess. So, <laughs> it, but it was for me to go in and deal face-to-face -face with God so that God could reveal to us what the next steps were. Yeah, yeah. Look at Rachel, and then we're going to stop. Um, put the fourth point on the screen and, and read that while I'm reading this, okay? Um, then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, saying, may the Lord add to me another son. Just that one phrase up top, then God remembered Rachel. And he listened to her and opened up her womb. And here's what that movement says. True love is only found or released when God remembers us and he opens the right door for us to be loved by him first, then our spouse. Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 40. I'm hoping I'm not misquoting that. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. Mounted with wings of eagles. Um, before that, run and not get weary. Walk and not faint. Wait, I say, the scripture says, on the Lord. And it's a difficult thing for us um, as it relates to interpersonal, marital relationships to wait on God. All that stuff that Rachel did was unnecessary because God still had a plan for her. That's very, very important. And I want that to say to um, those of us that are here today, regardless of what it looks like right now, God has a plan for you. Okay? Let me talk to couples and then we can, we, we can kind of say this. Um, we went through a lot. We went through a lot. Um, the D word might have been embedded in our head, I don't know that it came out out of, out of our mouths to each other. Oh, it came out. Oh, you said it? 
Yeah. I ain't here. At least I pretended I wasn't here. Yeah. But but you yeah, but we divorced. Well, yeah, we were done. We were, oh yeah, yeah. Just yeah. went on paper. Yeah, just oh okay, I got you. Okay. But but you get the point. The point that I'm saying is that our commitment was to God, first of all. And if if anybody had looked at the mess that we found ourselves in, especially in our younger years, formative years coming up, your sisters, everybody, you better run away, get away, get out of it, this, that, and the other. If we had aborted God's process, mm -hmm. that's the point that I want to make. Okay? The storm's going to get ugly. It's going to affliction, hatred, all of that stuff. If you take our eyes off of each other and place them on God, in God's time, God will remember you. Amen. And I need you to hear me say that. Amen. He will remember you. And, and I'm not speaking to a group of unsaved people this evening. We're not talking to a group of, of secular individuals because if you're in the world, it's hard to hear this. It's hard to hear um, wait on God because you don't know God like that. I think Jomo said it this way last week. Don't expect unsafe folk to act like Christians, right? So, for, but for those of us that are in here, if we can take our eyes off of God, stop the performing, and start building relationships, we will be amazed at what God is going to do. That text says, God remembered Rachel, okay? And what I like about the fact that he remembered her was after all her foolery, after all her trickery, after all her manipulation, after all her crazy stuff, he still had a plan for her. If that isn't good news, I don't, come on, are you hearing me? I don't know what is. If that is not good news, I don't know what is. I think the big thing is that is if we can stop looking for love in the wrong places and keep our eyes focused on God, we will realize that God has a plan for us. Because notice what it says in 23, she conceived, bore a son, and then here's what she said, God finally, not my husband, God, not my husband, God, not my husband, has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Jacob. And look at the last phrase, Joseph, thank you, Joseph. And look at the last phrase. And she says, may the Lord add to me another son. Meaning, Jacob, I'm done looking at you to do for me only what God can do. You kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I, I think at verse, at verse 24, the cat fight stopped. You know, um, because now Leah has a relationship with God. Rachel has a relationship with God so there can be peace in the home. Jacob is developing his and he's getting there um, because this is all pre-wrestling stuff. And if you want your relationships to work at home and to be whole, it begins with a relationship to, uh, with God. Now, last thing, and then you can talk about this and wrap us up. The relationship was not um, me praying for God to work in Katani. It was me allowing God to work in me. Okay, watch this. When Leah gave birth to Judah, Leah didn't say, maybe now Joseph's going, I mean, Jacob's going to start praising God. She says, now I will praise the Lord. She didn't say, maybe now Rachel's going to start. She said, no, 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 it's going to be 
I am going to praise the Lord. The same thing with Rachel on the back end, right? When she recognized who God is. Okay, God, it's me and you. Let's take Jacob out the equation. Let's take Leah out the equation. Let's take Bilhah. Let's take Zilpah out the the equation. It's me and you. And if I can get me and you right, my home will be right. And I think that's where God wants us to get. If we're in a dating scene, wherever we find ourselves, don't date like the world dates. Don't, don't get engaged like the world gets engaged. We are a different breed of people. Let's do it differently. Yeah. Say what you're going to say. Then finish we'll up. Yeah. You know, our identity is in Christ. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Just if you don't get anything else out of this message, know that your identity is in Christ. It doesn't matter um, where you are right now, what you've been, been through. Um, I know that there's, I, I know that pain. We yeah. know that pain. We know that, that fight and that tussle. Um, but God can restore you. Yeah. God can restore you, and he wants to restore you. He desires to restore you, you alone first. We try to, uh, you know, oftentimes we want to go to marriage counseling. We want to do this and we want to do that. And we take these steps to, to better our marriage. But if you go to counseling and you don't have a relationship with God, you're going to find yourself back in, the, in that same cycle. Your relationship with God is, is just a must. It is permanent for you to understand what God is saying. If God can't speak to your heart and you can't hear God, then there's a problem. There is a problem going on within you. There's a spiritual war going on with you. You're still fighting God. And God doesn't want to fight with you. God's not going to fight with you. God's going to continue to, he says, I gave you free will. If that's the way you want to roll, that's the way you want to roll. I'll, I'll be here when you need me. I'll be here when you knock your head enough and come to me. So your relationship with God is of utmost importance. When I got my relationship with God right, yeah. it, was a, it was probably about a year or so afterwards that my husband noticed me. And I wasn't yeah. even looking for him to notice me anymore. I was just like, you know, God, I'm just going gonna, gonna to keep moving it forward. And he came home to me one day. Um, I heard the garage door go up, and I didn't cringe. I was done cringing at the garage door by then. And I heard the garage door go up, and he came in, and I could see in his face that he had had an encounter with God. And he just looked at me, and he just started crying and said, I want what you have. I want what yeah. you have. And that was, that was the, the peace of God that was in me because I was no longer arguing. I just, I was done. I was like, yeah. we, we are not discussing this. Yeah. When we get to heaven, maybe God can explain it to us because we, we, we can't figure it out. There's no way we can figure it out. So when I, when I just released it and gave it to God, that's when God healed us. And now look at our ministry. It's called Restoration. Amen. It's Amen. called Restoration. Amen. Little did I know I was walking through my destiny at the time. I was walking through purpose at the time. But that's how God works. He's going to take you through so you can come and take someone else. Amen. Get someone else yeah. out. Amen. Let me say this. Um, um, don't stay. Let me, I, I'll never forget. Um, you might say, how did we do this, right? Um, I'll never forget, we ha both had our individual counselor. This is going to be the last thing I'm going to say. And then you found your counselor first. And um, she took me to counseling with her, right? Now, remind you, she's in a different place. And I go in the counseling room, and um, then the lady started to tell me stuff, and I lost it. I went smooth off on the counselor. It was bad. It was bad. And, and I mean, and, you know, and the lady put me out of her office and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, it, it was, yeah, it was bad. It was, yeah, it was, I, I was a mess. Yeah, it was bad. That was bad. <laughs> I'm saying that to say, ladies, don't give up if he don't want to go to counseling 
That's why I'm saying that to say this. You kind of get what I'm saying? Because we don't know the value of that. We don't know the extent of that. I think I was in seminary, and the seminary had a mentoring program that I had to go through in my first few years that began forming me, and that's when I saw the need for God. That's when I really started, boy, you better get it together. So I'm saying don't give up on each other, guys, okay? Don't look for love in the wrong places. Look to God for love. And we'd be amazed at what God's going to do. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Yeah. Stand to your feet. We're good. We're good. We're just going to pray. You guys are good. You're good. Just stand. Just stand to your feet. If you're standing next to your spouse, grab hands with them. Um, I just want to pray. I just want, we just want to pray. I'm going to ask Atani to pray over us that God would just move. And we just want to pray for households and families and believe God. And um, I'm just going to say one of the things that, that we are looking to do here is to really have that restoration counseling center going so we can get to the place where we're being impactful and effective in ministries and um, helping homes to get where they need to go. So pray that God would just speak expeditiously about that. Um, been talking to Jackie and Julia about that to try to really work through those things. And we've been working that for a few years. It's been a little too long. But we got to really help families heal and get to where God would have us to go. So pray for us. Pray for families this morning. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today, Lord, and Father, we thank you for marriage, God. We thank you, Father God, for our spouses, God. We thank you for relationships. And God, today we've learned, Lord, that our identity is found in you, Lord. So Father, forgive us, Father God, who have been looking for our identity, Father God, in the approval of a man or a woman, God. Forgive us, Lord, for not putting you first in our relationships, God. And now that we have received this word, Lord, we vow, Father God, to go and, Father God, pursue a relationship with you, God. Chase you, Father God, like we're chasing the cares of the world that we want, God. That our desire will no longer be for the worldly things, God, but it will be for you. So, Father God, I just decree and declare over these married couples, over the marriages in our in our congregation, on the marriages um, in our homes, and, and uh, for the relationships, Father God, for those who may be dating, Lord. Father God, that they will seek you first. They will seek you, Father God, with, with a fervence, Lord, with such a passion to know you, God, because you hold the destiny in our hand, Father God. You hold the destiny of the world in your hand. You hold the destiny of our lives in your hand. So God, as a church, Father God, you have named us Restoration, Lord. So, Father God, if there are those here that are struggling in their marriage, struggling in relationships, God, you have brought them to this place, Father God, for restoration, God. Father God, you want to fix your relationship with them. You want to fix the relationship that you have with them, God. So, Father God, we open up this altar, Father, for those who just want to rededicate their lives, God. Ask you to forgive, Father, forgive them, Lord, because they've been chasing after the wrong things, God. They've been chasing after the love of the, 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 the lust of the eye, Father God. They've been chasing after flesh when they should be chasing after you, Lord. Yeah. So, Father God, as we open up this altar, Lord, we ask that you touch hearts, Father God. Father God, as you as we release from this place, God, that those couples that are struggling, Lord, will yeah. be able to just sit and talk without arguing, Lord to eat, actually hear each other, Lord. Take them to their secret place, God, to their closets, Lord, where they can just pour out to you, Lord, and you will give them the proper way, Father God, to deal with the hurt, to discuss the pains, and to move forward. In Jesus' name we pray.